And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back for another episode of the Startup Hustle. This is your host today, Matt Watson. Excited to be joined today by Fernando Rodriguez Villa and his company, Adept ID. He's the CEO and co-founder we're going to talk all about identifying talent today. They do some pretty cool stuff and uh, you know they have a lot of expertise in identifying talent. So it's going to be a fun conversation. Today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult. Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has the platform to help you manage the team. Visit Fullscale.io to learn more. Fernando, welcome to the show, man. Hi, Matt. How are you? You know, I'm so glad you're here because at full scale, we're hiring a lot of people and I'm, I'm going to guess that your company can help us. I think we hired 14 people in January and uh, it's, it's a monthly thing. So tell us, tell us a little bit about your background and um, how you got into what you're doing at Adept ID. Sure. So, you know, Matt, I have been thinking about machine learning and, and using data science to solve kind of complicated real-world problems for most of my career. Uh, but I, I got started uh, in finance. So I, was, I worked for an investment bank for a couple of years and have been kind of trying to repent ever since. Uh, I got a, I just caught the bug on technology because we were working with some of these really impressive companies that were bringing new solutions to market that all kind of revolved around, at the time we were calling it big data. Um, and I was particularly drawn to a company that was using data in the education world to help individuals uh, have personalized learning experiences at scale. So you can you can effectively kind of recreate the experience of a one-on-one tutor, um, but at the scale of millions of students at once. And so that was the kind of the first AI problem that I got really interested in. And uh, and so I you know I left and and joined that company. Was part of growing it. Uh, internationally. So this was, you know, as someone in their late 20s getting to go back and forth from Europe and India and South Africa and kind of grow grow a technology business to those geographies, that was a ton of fun uh, as a young person. And uh, and also just kind of taught me a lot about uh, how to kind of, how to, to, to set up business models for success with kind of new technologies and new spaces. Um, I met a girl and uh, moved to, I know, uh, moved with her to Boston when she was starting graduate school and, uh, and then joined the founding team of a company that was also applying AI, but this time to satellite imagery of, wow, uh, okay. of crops. So, you know, diff- different core data set, um, but similar set of technologies. And we were looking at, you know, pictures of corn and soy from state uh, from from space so you know i bet kansas was in there somewhere we, we, we had to yeah, be there that's, that's what brought me to kansas city actually last time i was around and so we we did a we had these models that were able to predict early in a season how well uh, corn and soy yields would do and uh and so we were able to you know share that technology uh with uh, commodity traders food companies uh, a set of kind of folks up in chicago uh, and, and Switzerland. And that was, uh, 
that was a you know that was a pretty successful technology successful company we ended up getting acquired by one of our customers a couple of years in uh that gave you know me a, a bit of time and space to think about um how uh, you know where there were opportunities to use some of this technology that i had uh played a role in commercializing in other spaces but but use it towards what felt like a really important uh societal challenge and and one of the things that i've always been really interested in is kind of how people move between jobs and how people find jobs that they find fulfilling and and rewarding and uh, and that's kind of a you know and the the fact that in this country there are tens of millions of folks who are underemployed or working in industries that are in structural decline etc uh, is a social problem that that my co-founder Brian and I uh, found compelling. I think you know what's really interesting to us is that on the other hand of the uh, of the uh, on the other end of the aisle, there are massive industries that are really struggling to find talent. And you mentioned it yourself, right? I think you know in the yeah. technology world, uh, certainly in you know IT and cybersecurity, um, even manufacturing. You know, oh my goodness, big time! Right? Huge. Skilled trades, renewable energy, you know. The uh, allied health, the list goes on. Industries that are growing, that have you know family sustaining wages and career trajectories, um, but just are really struggling to find talent. And the fact that on the one end you have a ton of underrecognized talent, and on the other a ton of unmet demand, yeah, you know, felt like a matching problem. And and right. those matching problems are the kinds of things that that data science has been able to solve really well in other verticals. And so. Yeah, I'll pause there. I know it's a long yeah, story, but that, that's kind of that was the thing that motivated us to get started in this space. Yeah, so I, I I help a company that does digital marketing related stuff for home services, for plumbing, HVAC, yeah. electrical stuff like that. And most of most of those companies really struggle to hire, and but most of their employees make like a hundred grand a year. Yeah. <laughs> like you can be a plumber and stuff like make a hundred grand a year. They got all these people going to college for all these degrees that are kind of stupid that you yeah. can't even get a job with. So oh it's like my a, God. there's a whole whole big problem there. Well, and, and I think that was one of the observations was that, you know, particularly in there are stuff, something like 80 million working Americans who don't have a four-year college degree, right? So it's, a, it's actually the majority of our labor force uh, ha hasn't done that four-year degree. And, uh, and job transitions, you know, particularly between industries, right? So someone, you know, moving from, say, hospitality into technology or hospitality into healthcare or cyber, et cetera, you know, those transitions are really hard to make. Um, and, you know, part of that and part of the pro part of the problem that we were really interested in was that, um, you know, despite the fact that uh, people might have picked up transferable skills in doing something that seems different, you know, a lot of folks that are hiring will say, oh, they haven't had the right job yet or they have they don't already have the kind of the right experience. And so uh, we built our technology to try to look for uh, transferable skills that someone might have picked up in a seeming seemingly different job. Right. Um, an example, you know, very early on, we did some work with Boston Medical Center here in town, and they were struggling to find pharmacy technicians, right? You know, really important job, a lot of demand, pretty, really hard to hire for. And, uh, and we were able to look at their past hiring data and a set of kind of skills taxonomies that we were able to ingest that we got from a number of sources. And uh, we were able to say, okay, you know, well, it turns out that a lot of the folks who've been successful as pharmacy techs for you in the past have been cashiers at Dunkin' Donuts. And so, you know, what is it about that experience of of, uh, of handling a cashier at Dunkin' Donuts, early early morning Boston drivers, et cetera, 
that prepares you for the high stakes environment that is that well is that's just because everybody works at dunkin donuts in boston <laughs> at some point in their life right because there's and a dunkin donuts out. on every street <laughs> and it turned yeah it turned out that the entire population of boston just was- everybody worked at dunkin donuts well, I think at this stage we've all consumed enough Dunkin' Donuts that you know I'm 98% Dunkin' Donuts coffee right now, and then two percent. You're coffee. running on Dunkin'. Yeah, exactly. There um, you go. And, and so those, those kinds of non-obvious transitions, saying like, well, you know, and that and that wouldn't show up in a normal. If you you say like, okay, well, what are you looking for in this pharmacy tech? And they'll say, oh, well, we want someone who's already been a pharmacy tech before. Well, it turns out the people who haven't necessarily done that exact job before, but have done other things that are similar. Um, you know, have made, you know, successful transitions. And yeah, so I think absolutely. Being able to use data to show that to people is, um, is, is huge. And I think, you know, some of what we're trying to kind of empower. So is that how people use Adept ID? Is, is it larger companies that have a lot of employees and you kind of look at all the people they've hired before and then trying to pattern match that? Is that, is that the core of what you do or what, what, what else do you yeah, do? Yeah, it's a, it's a good, it's a good question. And I think that's kind of, that was, that was how we got started and, and we've evolved a bit, right? So, and, you know, initially it was, can we work directly with the employers to help them identify in their own data uh, talent that might've been under-recognized? And we still do that to some extent. What we've kind of uh, what we've evolved into is, you know, matching technology that really anyone building a talent application can plug into the backend. So if you're building a job board or you're building an applicant tracking system, you can use our algorithms via API to okay. surface candidates. Uh, part of that is because, you know, I, I kept on running into other founders in the talent future of workspace or product leaders, et cetera, who you know, might've been building, you know, specific staffing solution for uh, nurses or manufacturing, et cetera. And, you know, they'd say, oh, we'd love to be able to do matching, like what were you doing? But, you know, we don't have the data or we don't have the data scientists or we don't have the strategic focus. Um, would there be a way to kind of plug in or license? And, and I had enough of those conversations that it felt like, you know, the where the kind of the big opportunity could be for us would be, you know, building our models and licensing them for, for others to use as they were kind of touching more of the market. So that, that's the most of how we work with folks is kind of indirectly uh, through the, the, the products that use our models. So like at full scale, we get hundreds of job applicants a month, sometimes over a thousand. Yeah. And so we could feed all of those applicants into your system. And then how would we train it on what we like or don't like or what works or who we hire or like, how does, how would that, how would that do work? You have, so do you have an applicant tracking system? What, what's yes. the tool? Yep. You, which, which one do you use? If you don't mind giving we a free We built it ourselves. Now. Okay. We built it ourselves. Even better. So if you've built your own applicant tracking system, right? Or if you have your own database, then you just connect to our API and A, we'd be able to train on the historical decisions that you've made, right? Who, who's applied, have you hired them or not? Um, but then in real time, you know, as applicants come in, you pass us parameters on, you know, who the individual is, what the target job is, and then we can return, you know, a score for you to use in better ranking. We return, okay, what are the transferable skills from this person's past experience to what you're looking for? Um, and that would all run run by API. And we've got, you know, public documentation on our website and happy to kind of send that, send that out in show notes or whatever for people to check out. Yeah, I think, you know, what what you guys are doing is trying to find talent. So, I mean, ultimately, do you give back? 
is it about just scoring those or is it also about telling us like, hey, you need to hire more people that went to this college or they worked at this previous job before or I mean, it, or is it all both of those things? So we'd be able to do both. So like, you know, if you showed us an individual, you know, here is Jane Smith. This is what we know about her. We'd be able to say, you know, OK, based on. Jane's experience. These are the skills that she's picked up, and this is how that's relevant to what you're looking for. So that kind of individual level uh, scoring or highlighting of, of talent. Um, but if you just said, "Hey, we're looking for this role," and you ping the API and said, "Like, you know, this is the geography we're operating in. Uh, this is this is the role we're trying to fill," we'd be able to tell you generically, "Okay, well, these are the other pools of talent that are that are interesting to you." So then, do you have any way to then help them go find those people? Ah, uh, that's probably where you have to plug into to kind of the right marketing provider or the right okay. the right outreach thing. I think that's a partnership that we'd love to build out more of. But when we do, I feel we like we work with training providers, right? We we, we do some work with the training providers that are training, you know, uh, call center support or that are training pharmacy techs, wind turbine techs, a lot of kind of folks in this segment. So we we go through enough applicants and we inter we interview enough people over the last five years that we definitely recognize some patterns, right? We know like, yeah. okay, if people go to these, a couple different colleges, like mm -hmm. there's a 90% chance, 90% chance they might be a genius and we should just hire them. No questions asked. Right. Yeah. But it's only a couple colleges that end up on that list. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, have worked at certain companies. It's like, Oh, they've worked at Accenture or national cash register or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, man, they do a really good job of hiring. They do a good job of training, giving people good experience that's transferable to us, right? Yeah. But it took us a long time to figure that out. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like a, a product like yours would help, you know, instead of us using our gut instincts to, and spidey senses to make those decisions, you'd be able to like, you know, more scientifically tell us that we were right. <laughs> well, yeah. And I think, you know, in addition to just being able to off the shelf offer recommendations, like we have with a lot of our partners trained models that are based on their data alone, right? So, you know, if you had your own, uh, not just not just kind of observations or spidey senses, but you know, okay, here's here's the data on which schools people have gone to, and then you know their success here. You know, we'd, we'd be able to train a model that says, oh, well, actually, this is the kind of the predictive importance of school X versus school Y or Accenture versus, you know, another, another firm. So what all kind of data points do you guys look at when you're looking at these applicants, you know, besides education, they worked at this company. I mean, are you, you guys do like na natural language processing of all their job descriptions and keywords and all this kind of stuff. Like how do you, what all do you guys do there? Yeah, there's certain, you know, and, and I think there's a, there is a kind of a long, uh, there is a lineage of, of, of kind of matching solutions that have done that kind of keyword based, et cetera. And we, you know, we do use some parsing. And so that's a, that's a type of data that we train, train models on, I think, in, and actually the current moment around, you know, chat GPT and some of the, the potential of large language models, I think has certainly, um, has certainly kind of provoked a moment and, and, and there's, there are all sorts of interesting ways that we're kind of already using some of those large language models to take unstructured data or text that would show up either in a resume or in, you know, other writing samples or, you know, email answers to questions like that. That type of information is is very rich. 
Um, occasionally pretty noisy, but uh, but still has some value, particularly in segments of the workforce that you know might not have a, a traditionally structured resume, um, which which is true of a lot of folks and a lot of very talented folks that just kind of go under recognized. And so there are a lot of kind of uh, I don't know dark horses, if you will, out there that you know might not have might not have that uh, that like perfect LinkedIn. Um, but, but there are kind of breadcrumbs suggesting that they'd be really successful. Yeah. Well, um, before we continue, I do remind everybody that finding expert software developers doesn't have to be difficult. Sounds like you're going to be able to help me do that. So that's going to be awesome. <laughs> Especially when you visit fullscale.io where you can build a software team quickly and affordably use the full scale platform to define your technical needs and see what developers are available uh, today to join your team. Visit fullscale.io to learn more. So one topic that I've I've heard a lot lately is it feels like applicant tracking systems now are all, you know, very digital and doesn't matter where you apply for a job, you're going into a database somewhere and there's all this screening that happens and you guys are a, a function of that screening. Yeah. And almost it feels like there's people out there that are talking about like, okay, how do you beat the applicant tracking systems to actually get a job interview? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, and I think that is absolutely something that has made the talent market worse, right? The uh, ATSs will have a set of filters there um, or will have more kind of primitive keyword-based matching that uh, A, screens out a lot of applicants that might be good fit and and B, encourages kind of gaming of the system. And so you know, the employers don't end up trusting what comes through the filter. And so I think it's, I think it's more, it's more a question of, you know, how do we improve the filters, make them more inclusive, make them better at predicting. Yeah. Um, then, uh, then it is to kind of uh, get rid of the filters altogether. Though I think, you know, maybe getting rid of the existing ones is a good start. I think, you know, my co-founder talks about this as a kind of evolving from the kind of pre-money ball to the post money ball, uh, version of, of thinking about talent where, you know, a lot of these filters just kind of are based on some, some pretty rudimentary kind of search and retrieval, right? So, okay. I've been told to look for thing X and thing Y that, you know, looks kind of like our notion of what, uh, a successful applicant would be, you know, maybe they, they've had this exact job title before they've come from this exact place. And, we really want to move to treating this as more of a prediction problem, right? So, yeah. okay, what are, what, what, you know, can we take real examples of people who've been successful of people who are associated with wins and figure out, okay, well, what are the real metrics that are, that are predictive? So I don't know, you know, maybe the baseball equivalent is moving from, you know, batting average and RBIs to thinking about, you know, on base percentage and, and, uh, B war or any other kind of various war. Yeah. Yeah. How many baseball nerds are, are among the listenership here, but. Well, it, um, it, it definitely feels like if I was helping somebody do the resume today, I'd be like, okay, what do we have to put on here that the applicant tracking system is going to pick up and like, what format do we put it in? Like, is there a file format? Is there yeah. a layout? Is there a, like, how, how do we, how, you know, what descriptions, what keywords, what buzzwords, like, yeah. it definitely feels like there's, you have to almost prepare to game the system just a little bit. Well, and it breeds a lot of mistrust, right? You know, the, the talent doesn't trust the systems that they're putting these resumes in. There's no way that they're going to kind of, uh, it, it kind of encourages them to be inauthentic about what they who they are, and then it yeah. also 
discourages the employers from understanding it. So you end up with this kind of arms race of, you know, people making increasingly kind of gamified resumes that might not be accurate. And then, you know, the ATS systems trying to one up them by coming up yeah. with slightly better filters. And then, and so it's, it's not really in anyone's interest. Well, and I feel like the other part of this is companies are, you know, increasingly trying to take less and less risk in their hiring, right? Like they're putting people through like five levels of job interviews and projects and, and yeah. all these different things. And, and I really blame a lot of the laws on this because they make it so hard to fire people that why would I hire people? Like, I'm not going to hire people if I can't fire them, right? Like they, they, they think that these laws protect the labor because they can't lose their job. But I almost feel like it's the other way because as an employer, it's like, I don't want to hire anybody if I know I can't fire them later. Yeah. Well, and that's, and, and I mean, there's a whole lot of issues that are kind of adjacent to that one. Uh, you know, I, I spent a chunk of my career working in Europe. And so my frame of reference on, on protection is perhaps a bit different than the, in the States. There's certainly uh, a little bit more, more range of motion. Um, but I, I think, you know, what the problem we're really trying to figure out is, you know, how, how do you find the right talent that you don't want to fire? Right. Um, sure. You know, and so how, how do you get that relationship up uh, at the beginning? And then how do you kind of keep the feedback loop between what an, what work that an individual is going to be uh, inspired by and, and do well? And then, you know, who an employer is going to want to keep around? Um, so uh, you guys, you know, you're right. It's it's no it's in no one's interest to stick around in a job that's a bad fit. And so we yeah. you know, we, we don't want to we don't want to have any barriers to to finding a better job. So through the AI models and stuff that you build, are there any examples of like weird little things that you guys found that you know were better employees, like weird weird things in these in these models? Yeah, I mean, you know, we talked a bit about the the Dunkin' Donuts cashiers, though that 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 does you know account for a lot of the Boston population. Um, you know, we we there's some kind of interesting uh, pathways that we've we've remarked on between like service unit operators uh, on on oil rigs and wind turbine techs. You know, those are two jobs that require a similar uh, tendency towards you know working with machinery, et cetera, uh, and are on different kind of ends of the uh, energy kind of growth and, uh, and decline spectrum. And so, you know, there's certainly some, some, some encouraging pathways there also from the agriculture world into the renewable energy world. I think the wind power world also, there seem to be some interesting pathways there that, 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 uh, that we've observed. Um, you know, I think one of the other interesting ones is between a lot of kind of it, uh, kind of junior level it roles and cybersecurity. Uh, is an interesting pathway. And obviously the cybersecurity industry is booming. Those jobs pay really well. Uh, I think it's one of the only categories that, you know, CIOs this year are spending more in than they were last year, right? That's kind of security, uh, that security budget. So there, there, there are a couple of kind of interesting pathways that we're uh, starting to see in the data um, that, uh, that our partners are, you know, starting to try to kind of turn into, turn into real life. You know, I think, to your earlier point around employers feeling kind of anxious or nervous to make hires, you know, there are certain industries that are having such a hard time finding talent that they're, they're more willing to try things. Right. And I right. think those are kind of our, those are our people because it, it takes a bit of a bet to start trusting technology to, to kind of show you people that might not look like what you would have expected. Um, and, and in, you know, certain pockets, 
certain industries, you know, people are willing to give it a shot. Well, it sounds like the the best use case for what you're what you're doing is people that are potentially switching careers or or, or their adjacent opportunities. It's like, you know, it's easier for like, oh, I'm hiring a software developer and yeah, they've done a lot of software development. It's pretty straightforward. It's, it sounds like the gold that you guys are really trying to help with are people that are like, okay, I'm hiring for this type of manufacturing or whatever. And they did some other totally different job before, but we've shown that these other weird, random, totally different jobs really translate to this job. I think those those are the transitions that we're the most excited about, which is, you know, it's not to say that people can't kind of make progress within a given field and that we right. can't kind of help them identify where that's possible. I think, you know, what one of the, the big, uh, the big challenge in the world that we're really trying to work on is, you know, uh, making it easier for people to make those those transitions, right. those more interesting transitions, or not more interesting, but certainly more more ambitious or less obvious transitions. Um, well, and I I think the problem on the other on the other side on the talent side, yeah, is most people just have no idea what kind of jobs yeah. even exist. They're completely clueless, right? They're like. Yeah okay, I know people are doctors and lawyers and astronauts and whatever my mom and dad does and Uncle Joe does. And I know people obviously work at McDonald's and Walmart. Past that, I have no idea. What do people yeah. do? No clue. Yeah. No, and I think, you know, some of the folks using our models are, you know, career navigation applications, right? So right. You know, job centers that allow a person to say, hey, this is what I've been doing. And you know, I'm looking for a job and, and the application will tell them, Hey, these are different potential pathways for you. And so that, that kind of career navigation use case is one, I think, you know, we're really excited about because it helps kind of demystify some of these jobs. And I think, you know, part of the job there isn't just, or part of the responsibility of, of the career navigator isn't necessarily, uh, to say the name of a job, right. Cause like what, you know, being told that you should be a medical coder you know, means very little, right? Like, well, what, what, what does a medical coder do, right? Alone, well, you don't know how to get that job. Yeah. Like, right? so like, like what's, what's, what's the, you know, but so, so I think there is a bit of a burden to say, okay, well, you know, this is what a medical coder gets paid. These are the right. skills that are associated with them. These are people like you, right? who, you know, who people like you with your background who've been able to transition in. And these are the types of courses that they took to get there. Um, that's yeah, and you the, guys I mean, find that, okay, if you worked as an assistant, and an accounting firm, you would be perfect at medical billing or whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and that's, and I think that's, I, I think that kind of, uh, you know, imposter syndrome is like a term that gets thrown around, but that, that does help. Right. And being able to say like, you know, cause, cause, cause part of it is, you know, you hear, you hear about certain types of jobs and you think, well, that can't be me. Like, I don't, you know, I don't like computers. Right. Um, but like, okay, well, you're spending, you know, seven hours a day on your phone doing something else. Like, hey, you'd probably be able to do this job. Uh, right. Like they're, they're kind of uh, ways to demystify uh, some of that for folks. I know for like one of my sisters, she's, she would be that person that's terrified to think that she could do any job. Like she has no confidence to do any of those things, but yeah. she could probably do a lot of them. And I think there's, there's a lot of people that are that way. Yeah, no, I, and I, I think it's a, uh, um, I, I, I think, you know, particularly jobs that require working with, you know, computers or working with certain forms of technology or, or programming, like there, uh, there are a ton of folks who, who can do them. Uh, and I think, you know, part of there's, and this is, you know, this isn't the kind of thing that Adept ID can do alone, right? Like you actually need, you know, coordination with the right vocational training institutions and the right, you know, public sector players and the right employers who will take a bet on, you know, non-obvious candidates. So, so it actually needs to be, 
uh, it needs to be a coordinated effort. So is your guys' product, your, your company and, and services that you do, is it almost entirely an API? Yeah. Like- yeah, was, we are API first. Uh, I would say, you know, we have occasionally built dashboards for folks, to, but those are, you know, pretty rudimentary things that, that call, the, call our API. Um, you know, we see really important, really awesome businesses out there like Twilio, like Stripe, who've been able to, uh, you know, create a lot of impact. Uh, mostly behind the scenes. And uh, I think that's kind of what we're, what we're aspiring for. So for those who aren't as familiar with a applicant tracking system, what, what are some examples of applicant tracking systems out there that you guys integrate with? Yeah, so, you know, Greenhouse is a big one. Uh, Workday has a very large applicant tracking system. Lever is a big one. Uh, ADP, uh, these are all kind of big names. Probably going to kind of miss out on some. But we, we've actually, we use... Uh, we're able to integrate with, I think, over 40 ATSs at this point. Wow. Okay. So, uh, and not quite the full scale one yet. We'll have to work on that. I know we got to, yeah, somehow we we can figure that that one out, but, um, but no, we have a lot of companies that, so you're integrating these 40, but then do you have a lot of companies that just integrate directly as well, separately as employers? Not, not, not as, not that many, um, we do, we, we've done some, but it usually takes a pretty you know, the company has to have built a pretty interesting tech stack to directly consume an API from someone like us, right? Most companies right. will rather use Workday or would rather use ADP. And so then we have to integrate with that one. Right. We, what, sure. what we can do pretty well, what we've made very easy is a company exporting data from their ATS, right? So, so, so the data out has gotten a lot more straightforward. Um, so... So a lot of people listening have probably never, never thought of or heard of creating a company that is API driven only, right? So for those who are listening, you know, basically you don't sign up and use your product. You don't log into it, right? It's, it's only really consumed through these other APIs, right? Like you have to use Workday or something like that. And, and your guys' product is like an add-on to that, an additional service to that. And so, you know, tell... I guess tell the listeners a little more about like what it's like to have a business like that, right? Because you're heavily dependent on your on your partners potentially, right? Like yeah. you go to somebody like Fullscale and you're like, hey, you could sign up, but you're like, you don't use an applicant tracking system that we work with, so yeah. I'm sorry, right? Well, like, t- tell us yeah. about that. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's the type of business that that you know wouldn't have been possible 10 or 15 years ago right i think like they're they're uh and, and still has trade-offs right on the one hand you're right you know in order for someone to access our technology they need to use a tool that uses our technology yeah or they need to be good enough at coding that they can directly code our api and you know we have our docs publicly and so all you need is an auth key and you'd be able to you, you know your a coder like yourself would be able to get up and running in you know an hour or two i'm sure on your own um, and so, and so, you know, it, it does, it does have some implications for who we sell to and how we distribute. Um, you know, the flip side is, I think the end user adoption has a much higher upside this way. Uh, a lot of folks don't want another thing to log into. I right, think that's sure. one of the challenges is like, yep. you know, there are all sorts of really interesting, you know, HR tech offerings that, um, you know, do a good job selling to the head of HR or the CIO of a company. And then the company is like, great, we signed this big contract. We now use, you know, 
service X and uh, no one logs in, no one uses it. And so uh, I think what we're trying to kind of solve is that end problem of like, well, how do we kind of get embedded in the workflows and meet people where they are? So right. they're already logging into but, Workday because they have to check their payroll because they have to do their whatever. Well, that's where they should be getting their insights into career navigation. But a couple of years ago, was that like a giant hurdle for you, right? You're like, how do I go convince Workday to integrate with us? Yeah. Oh, it still is. I mean, you know, it, it, still, uh, it still means that there is a certain type of partner for us that, you know, is, is uh, tech savvy enough to work with an API that has uh interest in our capabilities and, and but those are the folks we work with but you know as a relatively small company right i think you know there's a there's a saying around like you know strategy is uh when you start saying no right like you like right we we have to kind of know who we are and who we're not um and uh and right now you know that means that we get to work with a certain type of company the good news is that that group of companies is big and growing and right much bigger than it was five years ago and so as Adept ID continues to grow, you know, hopefully the market continues to uh, to to grow it, and and we're a part of it. So, does this follow some certain standard for kind of what you guys do, or did you have to go to somebody like Workday and ADP and like this is like a totally one-off API that they've like never done before, or oh, no, we, is there kind of an industry see. standard for this thing? Yeah, you know, and actually, there's a really amazing. I'm going to give some free ads out for this other company. There's this really amazing company called Merge.dev that has done a lot of the work of going to the different ETS and HRIS systems, integrated with them, so that we can mostly just work through Merge. And nice. So we, there you go. We get to that kind of one to many because that's a part of the plumbing that you know is a could, nightmare. We could spend all our day on that. We could quintuple yeah, the yeah. team. It's still do all our time. And and there are other folks in the ecosystem that have solved that problem for us, which is, you know, so, I guess as a macro point, right, I think the way that the kind of the talent stack is going, right, that the ecosystem is going, it's going to be more of that, of different solutions talking to each other in the back end. Um, in the same way that if you look at the fintech stack, right, or the ad tech stack versus where it was 15 years ago, there are a ton of services that are all kind of invisible to the end consumer, but that are all really important parts of the puzzle. So you were able to integrate with Merge Dev mm -hmm. and then that enabled you to get into 20, 30 different platforms. That allows us to do mostly, I mean, a couple of them we've integrated directly because we have a relationship with the provider, right. with, you know, with that, with that software company. That's always, you know, makes things a little bit easier, but you know, this allows us to cover, you know, 90% of the market. That's awesome. I mean, and that's huge. I mean, for somebody who's listening, they're like, hey, I could create an API to do this weird special thing. You know, and then if you can integrate into something like this, it gives yeah. you access. Because if, because otherwise, if you had to go to 40 different providers and like, hey, I need you to do this custom API, they're all going to be like, no. Yeah. no we, <laughs> Every we, one we, of them. We've got to find, we got to find ways around that. I mean, so much of the, uh, so much of the entrepreneurial journey is like figuring out who else has solved the part of the yeah. problem that's getting you in the way of what, you know, it, 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 I think we, we want to be the very best in the world at algorithms that identify talent, right? Yeah. That's, not that's, integrating that's with 40 ATS systems. The plumbing between a ATS systems, that is a hard problem. Yeah. Other people can solve that. Uh, and if they have do it great, we can pay them. So now that you've have this integration, were they able to help be like a co-marketing, go-to-market strategy or any of that? Like, are you able to, were you able to work out deals with ADP or Workday or any of these kinds of people to help like promote you? 
Well, so for some of the folks that we've, so those, those folks have, uh, have app stores and, you know, we haven't, okay. because we don't have a front end, we haven't really gotten involved in the app store game. There are, there are folks that we've integrated with on the back end that use us for matching. Um, right. So it's a two way kind of street that they're, they're using the algorithms. Um, and the, the, that, but that's just, a little different than the one. Yeah. Yeah. I just wonder if they help, if they help be like reseller partners for you, like yeah. they're part of your go to market strategy then. They, they haven't, uh, so our partners don't, we, we have a couple of partners that market, you know, that include us as ingredient branding in the way that they go to market and they add, they add employers, but our business model is based on, uh, based on the number of placements that we're touching. And so, you know, as their products grow and help individuals get into jobs, then we get to monetize more. Very um, cool. So it's, it's more, I mean, we're, we've tried as much as possible for the business model to, share value as it's being created. So, you know, if, if a job, well, and I, yeah. so is your, so your business model is based on consumption. So it's based on volume. Uh, well, it's, it's actually based on, on, uh, employment outcomes. Uh, so, and this is a change. We initially, we had a very kind of standard flat SAS fee. And then, uh, we, we went straight to this kind of outcomes based one, which is the number of, you know, placements or recommendations that kind of lead to placements uh, is, is how we get paid. So we, we kind of Got skipped it. through the volume of like paying by number of API calls, um, which is how other API businesses do it. And, and it works well for, you know, Stripe or Twilio or some of the other folks, you know, what mm -hmm. we're, we're still early enough that we want to encourage people to use the API as much as possible to get right. certain outcomes. Right. So we, well, we like, and so a good example of this right now is Twitter, right? Cause their, their APIs were free. And now they're like, oh, no, you're going to have to pay for them. And it's like the same thing. You're like, well, if you want more people to use Twitter, then you would make them free. Right. But at the same time, it's like people should be getting some kind of value out of using these APIs. And it makes yeah. sense that they would pay for them. Yeah. But if you want more adoption, ultimately, you want them to be free. Yeah. And so, you know, maybe the, maybe the, maybe the more uh, value sharing way to think about the Twitter API is, you know, when, when you use the Twitter API to show a tweet and someone clicks on it or someone gets traffic, you get traffic because of it, then you pay Twitter, you know, like, like right. when, when, when does someone benefit? That's when you want it, which is tough because it means that, you know, we, we, we would get paid a little later in the game, right. Then upfront or, and, and we have a little less control over how much we get paid in. But I think in the long run, it gives us a bigger upside because we're able to, you know, grow as the impact grows it's based on um the scale right so if you have a little client or a big client it just kind of naturally scales which is great well i, pre I appreciate you telling us more about kind of the, the api business and stuff it's a, it's a different kind of business model most listeners yeah. are probably not very familiar with and and yeah. um but it's it's definitely a business model that exists and my last company stackify we weren't an api uh based business directly, but we, our billing was consumption oriented, kind of like this, like the more data that we had. And, um, but, but there are, what's cool is there are companies like yours that are hundred percent API based. Like you don't even log into your software. The yeah. only way you can even use it is as an API. And actually one of the, another example of this, one of the companies that I do some work with, um, we use APIs for things for like geolocation data, like, like addressing data and cities and states and zip codes and things like that. And, same kind of thing. It's like, it's just an API. It's the only way you can use this thing is the API. And there's software out there. There are companies out there like yours that do this. And it's cool. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and actually, I think I'm sure a lot of the listeners are part of API products without knowing, right? Yeah. Like 
if you got a, if you use your credit card online to buy something, Stripe was probably part of that, right? If you got yeah. a text message from credit card processing is a great example. Of that. Right. Yeah. You, you know, if you, uh, if you got a text message from the restaurant that you went to, you know, Twilio probably sent it to you. But yeah. like, you know, and that's why, you know, I think people in the tech community know who Stripe is and know who Twilio is, but people right. outside of them don't, despite the fact that we've all pro- been part of, uh, been part of those businesses grow. Well, and, and if you're building any kind of software today, anybody who's listening to this building any kind of software, odds are you're using a lot of APIs like you just described, right? Like yeah. uh, there's a lot of different building blocks now for when you go to build software, like using all these different things, all these different APIs and stuff. So, so a- APIs all the way down. Yeah, all the way down. Well, if you need to hire software engineers, testers, or leaders, full scale can help. We have a we have the people and the platform to help you build and manage a team of experts. When you visit fullscale.io, all you need to do is answer a few questions and let our platform match you up to our fully vetted, highly experienced team of software engineers, testers, and leaders. I don't know if I'd quite call it AI, but it's a pretty good algorithm. At Fullscale, we specialize in building long-term teams that work only for you. Learn more when you visit fullscale.io. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. As we round out the show today, I was wondering if you have any other final suggestions, tips out there for entrepreneurs maybe who are looking to hire people or just general you know just being an entrepreneur yeah i mean you know we we are growing the team and so if there are some really excellent uh senior software engineers out there or account executives that are willing to uh to hustle and and do some great selling to get our technology out there uh, we'd love to meet you we'd love to uh see if we can enlist you to to help the adept id mission so that's that's remote or just in boston you know we're based in Boston, but we've we we have remote employees. And right. if you're uh, if you're comfortable working remote and you're accountable and you're doing an awesome job, then you could be wherever. So, All right. Uh, All right. Well, again, this is uh, Fernando Rodriguez Villa and his company Adept ID, um, which is just adept id.com. Check them out, and uh, maybe you need to plug in their API into your applicant tracking system and and use yeah. your guys' product to help you out. So. Uh, That'd be a lot of fun. All right. Well, Matt, thanks so much for having me. This was great. All right. Thank you. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button. Then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.